Hi, I'm Christina. And I'm Andrew. Welcome to the WTF Podcast. If you're thinking, what the fuck? You're in the right place. But here, we talk about walking towards fear, straight into the heart of discomfort. Welcome to our journey as we hike the Pacific Crest Trail. Hi, everybody. Long time no see. I'm sitting here with Knuckles. And it's been a couple days. Um, I think the last time we podcasted was um, Top of Whitney. That was the last time we podcasted. That was probably about a week ago. Um, And since then, we have done quite a bit. We have been hiking in the Sierras. That was kind of the beginning of the Sierra. And we've done a ton of passes. Those have been the big highlights, I would say, of um, the past couple days. Oh, for sure. Without a doubt. Um, and what's interesting is I was telling the story to Topo today, actually. I still remember the very first pass that I ever did because on the East Coast, like, you have summits. Like, you go hit the top of a mountain. That's called a summit. But here, we don't actually go to the summit of a mountain. We go to the pass of a mountain, which is essentially like a saddle between two summits. Yeah, it's like the basically like the easiest way that you could get... Um, from canyon to canyon, essentially, between the mountains. Because um, I believe the PCT was created at first for um, horse travel. So they could bring things from place to place. So it wasn't meant for sightseeing. It wasn't meant to hit summits. It was supposed to get people and things from place to place as easy as you could. Um, and they had to go through the Sierras to do so. And it just so happens that it's gorgeous and we go by some alpine lakes and um, even the passes though are really, really difficult. They feel like summits. There's a lot of climbing that goes into a pass. It's not just like, oh, here's the easiest way through. It is still very difficult. Yeah, there's a lot of elevation gain and I still call passes summits. So like I'll think to myself like, okay, once I get to the summit, I'll have a snack. (laughs) But I'm like, it's not a summit, it's a pass. But it still, it does feel like it. Yeah. You still get an amazing view, and it's really cool because you've been climbing up one side of it, and then you get to see the other side of the mountains that you've been staring at one side of for so long. Yeah. So you get I, to, like, see this new landscape again. I think that's the cool part. Like, hiking, well, first off, hiking up to the pass, especially if you're not topo and you don't know, you know, <laughs> pull out your compass and, like, shoot a quick bearing and know exactly where you're headed a lot of times we're guessing like, okay, we're headed this direction. There's a couple different passes that we're seeing and I have no idea how to get to the top of any of them. Like what is this trail going to even look like? Yeah. Cause a lot of times you can't see the trail. Um, and the only way sometimes that you can actually see where you're going to be is the people on them. So you'll see little black dots or, you know, purple dots, uh, blue dots, whatever color jacket the person is wearing. Um, and you can see them in the distance and then it creates scale for you too. Cause one of those things that always gets me is that it always looks smaller than it actually is. Um, and there's no way to tell the scale of anything around you. It's like a wilderness no, eye exam. <laughs> yeah. You have no idea how big that rock is in front of you until you're right next to it. So when you see the pass, you're like, Oh, it doesn't seem that bad. Like I can see it. And then all of a sudden you'll see a little dot of a person at the top of the pass and you're like oh it's way farther away than i thought it's way taller than i thought it is that trail is going to be much longer than uh, i had hoped it was going to be and it almost always is 
a little bit harder than I thought. Yeah, for sure. And the first pass that we hit was Mount uh, was Forrester after Whitney. So that kind of kicked us off in, you know, those little stretch of passes that we were hitting. And honestly, I don't think any of us had expectations for Forrester Pass, but it was pretty gradual for the most part. It wasn't too technical. Um, And then the pass we hit after that was actually not on the trail. I talked about this in my solo pod. We had to hit bonus miles to hit Kearsarge Pass in order to get into Bishop and Resupply. So that was our next pass. And honestly, we were all fairly tired that day. And a lot of people were saying that going up Kearsarge Pass, which again, is not on the PCT, was harder than Forrester Pass, which is the highest point, the highest point on the Pacific Crest Trail. Yeah. It's uh, it's 13,000 something, right? 13,100, I think. Yeah. Um, And I would say it was was definitely gradual on the way up. And then you hit... um, what on far out is called the approach and you basically stare up at it and there's some switchbacks that go back and forth um for a few hundred feet up um but they're just all of a sudden you kind of hit this head wall and you know you have to go up and over and through this little what looks like from the ground like this little tiny crack in the mountain um and then when you get up there obviously there's enough room for you and and a couple people but like i said before it's tough to gauge the scale of things so Forrester Pass like I remember coming up on it and seeing this what I thought was a red coat like somebody was standing at the top of the pass with a red coat and it wasn't it was like a burgundy color but it wasn't a person it was the rock up there it was and it was probably the size of like a small sedan like that's how big that patch of red rock was and I thought it was a person so you can tell like, <laughs> once you get to it, finally, how big it actually is, but you never really know till you're there. It's kind of cool. It is really cool. And it's fun, too, as you're getting closer to see, you know, these little dots, these little people moving around being like, oh, that's where we're headed. Yeah. Like, now I know. And then sometimes you get to play the game of I spy, like, can you find the switchbacks that will bring you to that spot? Because <laughs> a lot of times you're kind of flying blind. Until all of a sudden you figure it out and you're like, oh, like that's how you get up there. Because some of these passes look like they should be impassable. Yeah. You stare at it and you're like, that's all scree. Like it's all just loose rock. Like how am I going to get up that? I'm going to have to scramble up it like a cartoon and just slide all the way back down. But no, as you get closer to it, there's always a, a trail that was carved into it with, with purpose. And um, there's been real no issue with finding trail up the passes other than snow cover yeah so okay we hit Forrester and then after that we hit Kearsarge we had to come back up Kearsarge we had a really good day that day I think both of us hugged really strong even with six days of food in a bear can and then we (laughs) hit Glen and then we hit Glen Glen Pass was right after Kearsarge so now we're back on the PCT um and we hit Glen which was a little bit tougher than I think we expected because on the elevation map, um, Glen isn't really a very intimidating looking point on the um, on the topographic map on far out. So we were like, oh, we'll just be able to like crush those miles up to it. Um, just a couple thousand feet, it won't be in any problem. And I want to say it was like 2,000 feet of gain or something, which isn't an absolute ton. But after doing Kearsarge, it was towards the end of the day. I was tired. I remember seeing Topo at the top of the pass or close to it and 
and knowing how far I had to go and me just sitting down in a rock, I was like, I need a minute. I only have like half a mile to go, but I just, I need to break for a second. Yeah, of all the passes we've done, we'll go through the rest of them in a minute, but Glen was the toughest for me. I remember just feeling like I was kind of dragging. The terrain was probably the steepest of any of the passes we've been on either, uh, I'd, I'd say. Uh, yeah, it was very steep. Right up to it. Right up to it. But it it was beautiful like everything else. And one of the fun things that we've done is since Acton, when my mom sent me a birthday package, we've had these little kazoos. I think we've <laughs> played them on my birthday pod, actually. But we've kept them. And it's been so fun because on every pass we get to, uh, Power Plant, myself, and Topo will just like kazoo and celebrate which is so fun. It's so fun. And now we're starting to do this thing. We've been hiking the last couple of days with it. We call them the pool noodle crew because going into Kennedy Meadows, their tramley basically decked themselves out in like water gear. So they had like floaties and they had pool noodles and squirt guns and goggles. And like someone had, I think a life jacket they put in a hiker someone box. Full size life jacket. It was so funny. <laughs> I think it was funny. mittens. Yeah, it was. Um, and they hiked with that for a while. Yeah, and they still have pool noodles on their trekking poles, they like, do. just for fun. We call them the pool noodle crew, but we've been hiking with them the last couple of days. We did not see them today. No, but, um, I expected to. I hoped to. But they've been celebrating with us in a lot of the different passes. So we kazoo. They have something that they kind of, like, applaud, and we all just cheer. And it doesn't matter who it is. And actually, today we met someone who didn't get applauded at Kennedy Meadows, because of just the way they got in, essentially. Oh, really? Um, I didn't hear that story. Yeah, so it was Pilot, the guy who we gave some tape to. Oh, his name's Pilot? His name is Pilot. His name is, like, Tony or something. Isn't that how he introduced himself at the summit? Uh, I said summit <laughs> at, at Near Pass. Yes. Uh, okay. He introduced himself to the day hiker. Oh, that's who, his real name. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay, anyway. Reverse, reverse. What was I just saying? You were saying that the um, the guy didn't get applauded at Kenny Meadows. Oh, yeah. So we were up there. We kazooed and kind of cheered. He was like, wow, that was awesome. And everybody who goes up when we were up there kazooing just kind of loves it. Like, everybody comes up. I mean, you're dead tired, oh. breathing heavy. You just got up there. But it makes everybody smile, and that's totally worth it. Oh, it's amazing. I love it. No matter who it is, most of the people we don't even know. <laughs> yep. But then we get to meet we them. just come through and we go, woo. And we like kazoo at them and it's a little party most people like it i can tell there's some people that are like what the hell is that yeah and then other people are like is like, that a kazoo yeah but mo- nine out of ten people are excited about it and think it's hilarious okay so we've talked about forrester kearsarge glenn what was after glenn after glenn was was it pincho Was that it was Mather? A big day. No, Mather was. Are you checking? We're gonna check just to. Uh, I think it was. Pinchot. Confirm some information here. Which was the toughest pass for me. I found Pincho very difficult. Um. Yeah, because I think we climbed all. We climbed for a long time. It's like an eight-mile climb. Yeah. Up to Pincho, and then we just went down a little bit. And then we could go back up and hit Mather pretty easily and quickly. Um, yeah. And then descended quite a bit again t- towards Muir. So you would say that Pincho was your hardest pass? Yeah. I just, that was eight miles of climbing and I was really, really tired. I don't think I ate that much that day or ate enough. Um, and the past day, 
I'll say the past 48 hours, I've been eating more than I thought I needed to, um, just to see what would happen, sort of, like to see at my energy level. And it has helped a ton. So I need to eat more than I expect. That's what I've kind of learned, especially in the Sierra where you're going up and down a lot. You're burning even more calories than normal. Um, definitely more calories than we were burning for the first chunk in the desert. Um, and even just eating, because I'm not that hungry. I don't find that I'm just hungry, hungry, hungry all the time. But I could eat. So there are times where I'm like, oh, I haven't eaten in two hours. I'll just sit down and have a snack. And I realize how much it helps. Yeah, it's interesting. So again, I said Glen was my hardest pass for sure. I think it was just how steep the terrain was. Um, on top of having a heavier pack because we had just come out. And I hadn't eaten anything from my bear can yet. That's why. Uh, so I still had a really heavy bear can. Um, but for me, Pincho is pretty good. I actually, on my watch, I have an, alti like an altimeter. So I can watch pretty much as we're climbing. I don't necessarily need to know the mileage. Like, oh, I just hiked three miles. But for example, I'm looking right now and Pincho Pass is just over 12,000 feet in elevation. So I remember specifically on Pincho saying, I want to stop in this eight mile climb twice. And I broke it down by elevation. So like, I think we had to climb about 3,500 feet to get up to Pincho. So I broke that into, you know, two quick breaks based on elevation. Um, and I remember feeling really strong and again, really proud of my body that day. Just being mm. like, wow, I'm, I'm feeling good. So it's interesting. We were saying today too, everybody has a pass where they've just been like, oh my God, that sucked. And everybody does it differently too. So like you were just saying, you kind of planned it out. Like you thought about it very logically beforehand where you said, okay, I want to stop twice. I'm stopping twice before I hit the summit. And these are where I'm, the places that I'm stopping. For me, it's the total opposite. Like I just walk towards a climb and I start to do it. And then I take a break like as soon as my body wants to. So as soon as I'm like, I could use a break right now. I'll just sit down <laughs> like 20 feet from where I made that decision. Um, I'll just sit down. So maybe I, I think I took a few more breaks. So those are the last one up on Pinterest. I was probably half an hour behind you, you and Topo. Um, cause I was really struggling, but I probably took five breaks on that eight mile climb. Cause I was just, I was tired. I was, um, I felt like I had put in a lot of work. And keep in mind, like, I, I don't do that all the time. Like I plan it out. But that day, I think because I was feeling strong, I wanted to see like, okay, if I challenge myself to climb, you know, 1600 feet right now with no break, can I do it? So for me, it's kind of, you know, yeah, this, like just... I'm, I'm watching my mind. It wants to stop. And I'm like, not yet. We made, we made a deal. <laughs> so those breaks are well earned when I take them. But yeah, I also do that too. Like, hey, I want to break right now, which um, our next pass was Mather. Was it coming down Mather? Was that yesterday? It was yesterday. So coming down Mather Pass, let me tell you. I think. Um, let's see. Today was Muir. Yeah, and yesterday. Yeah, yesterday was Mather Pass. So let's talk about Mather real quick. Yeah, so Mather had a big descent, not a huge ascent, because we were already at elevation. We kind of dipped down from Pincho, which we had earned hard. <laughs> um, then back up to Mather real quick, and then a big descent down Mather before we could do Muir. Um, and 
Were you saying let's talk about Mather? Oh, I was talking about Mira. Yeah, we were talking about spontaneous breaks. And so Mather Pass was actually the first time that we'd pulled out our micro spikes and ice axes, Mm -hmm. which was nice to have. Definitely not critical. Like, I didn't have to self-arrest. I didn't really need them. But I really liked having the security. We're so comfortable with micro spikes because we do so much winter hiking that it just helped, especially... We try to get to the passes, like our ascent up, probably before 10.30 a.m., where the snow's not quite... Literally, it's like hiking on mashed potatoes. It's like yeah. the best way to describe it. Yeah, um, true. Like, it's when very it's really slushy. Mushy. But coming down Mather, after that... So I had taken my spikes off. I had put my ice axe back on my pack. Um, and I had a moment yesterday where I just, like, absolutely lost it. Like, I pulled over. I sat on a rock. We were overlooking this ridiculous valley with this beautiful lake. Yeah, there were yeah. these... Um, like bright burgundy wildflowers, rivers running, birds chirping, marmots all over the place. And I just sat down and I could not stop crying. <laughs> I was so happy. And I showed up to you sitting on a rock. I was talking to two... Stinky Jesus. Stinky Jesus. I was talking to two um, section hikers. They were just there for like two or three days on trail. Um, but they happened to be at the same pass that we were. And I was talking to them, and all of a sudden, I see Knuckles on a rock by herself. And I was like, oh, I'm going to go say hi. So th- those two walked on, the uh, the couple who were section hiking. And I sat down next to Knuckles. And I couldn't tell you had been crying because you had your sunglasses on. I know. I did that on purpose. <laughs> but then you you admitted it very quickly. You were like, I've just been sitting here crying. <laughs> I had to tell you because I knew it was going to start again as soon as those other people were gone. And yeah, it did. It did. I like could not control it. It was just so beautiful that I had to sit there for a while and just like soak it in. I think I said this to you when we were sitting there. I think I said something like there are people that are never going to see this. Um, And I've been thinking about kind of that sentiment, that statement. And I think it was even less that there aren't people that are going to see what I saw sitting on that rock and more about like there are people that will never feel what I felt sitting there and I don't mean like happy joy what have you just like how alive I felt as a person like some people never figure out how to access that and to me that is like just devastating it's what keeps me going (laughs) yeah on this trip because there are some days where we feel like total crap like everything kind of sucks like we got attacked by mosquitoes today trying to fill up water (laughs) like that sucks so bad it's not all fun and games there are times where you're like fuck this place get me out of here i keep getting attacked by bugs and i can't escape them um but those moments like even after that so you and i ended up sitting together walking around um or walking down descending mather we found topo um he was just getting ready for lunch and we found this the most amazing lunch spot. Oh, yeah. Right next to the water. It was like, picture like crystal clear lake that slowly drains off of a river on, on the right-hand side that goes downhill. And so there's trout in there just kind of swimming around and fighting the current. And the water is so crystal clear, you can see them swimming around, even on the other side, on the other bank. Um, everything was just super super bright blue and the sand was really really bright tan 
Um, and the like the foliage is just because there's so much water it's this vibrant green and yes. with the wildflowers again this like really deep burgundy with like this also these yellow flowers it's just it pops i don't know how it happens but near these alpine lakes too it's as if someone mowed the lawn <laughs> yeah it literally <laughs> feels like someone just mowed a lawn the lawn next to the lake it's amazing i don't i didn't I don't know how it grows like that but it's like picture grass like you'd have in your yard but it's really short like someone just mowed it and you can just sit in it i'm laughing because that didn't cross my mind but you're so right yeah it's like someone mowed the lawn it like, looks manicured every day yeah it literally looks manicured and it goes all the way up to the edge so you can sit in the grass and have your feet in the water I always thought that was the weirdest thing. I was like, why isn't this grass growing? It's so short. It looks like I just mowed it. <laughs> yeah, and we've seen a lot of deer, but definitely not enough to keep all the grass like that. No. It must be temperature, climate. And elevation. elevation. <laughs> nice. Yeah, so that was a beautiful lunch spot. Yep. Um, and then we descended a lot. And literally, I think it was the night before, actually, I had just said power plant, like, do you remember those nights in the desert where feet would hurt? Like, it was literally no one's business. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, I would look at him and be like, take them off, amputate, go. <laughs> um, Give me new feet. <laughs> and hurt. I was just saying, like, that hasn't happened in a while, but yesterday we had, like, a, what, 15-mile descent, probably? Oof, yeah, just about. And our feet have been 10. sore. We stopped at the bottom of that descent and had dinner with the pool noodle crew. We did. Um, which was really fun yesterday, too. Yeah, and then we did a, another four miles up, um, just starting the climb to Muir Pass. Not very much elevation gain we did yesterday um, at the end of the day, but it at least put us in a good spot to start the climb for today, and then we could get up before the snow got mashed potato-y. Yeah, so this particular pass, uh, the Muir, John Muir Pass, which we hit today, actually this morning when we woke up, we saw a bear. Yes, we did. It was big. You spotted it. It's a good spot. I did. I woke up. I sat up. I looked outside, and I was like, that's a deer. That's not a deer. That's that's a chunky bear butt. Yeah. He was wandering around. He was on the other side of a river, so he really wasn't very close to us. Um, we could tell he was pretty big. He was a cinnamon black bear, right? Yep, another cinnamon black bear. So he was brown in color, but technically a black bear. Which makes them look like grizzly bears. Like if you it didn't, really does. if you didn't know better, and you were to pull someone off the street, take a picture, and be like, "What kind of bear is that?" Most people would probably say grizzly. Yeah, it looks exactly like a grizzly in color. In color. Um, and he was big. He was he big. Was like a full-grown adult bear. But we got up early this morning because we wanted to hit Muir Pass. It had the most snow of all the passes that we hit before we go into our next resupply, and um, there was a lot of snow. So we got up so early. Tiny. We our bear cans this morning were all frozen. They all had ice on them. Yeah, they did. Um, icy bear cans and then seven mile climb up to the top of Muir Pass, which I would say the last two miles were almost all snow, like 95% snow. Once in a while you'd hit a whole bunch of rocks that you could kind of walk up and over and then the snow would start again. Yep, so did you wear your spikes today? I did not wear my spikes. I was very close to putting them on, but I was a little lazy. Yeah, I had my spikes on and my ice axe out. Um, ice axe was very unnecessary because a lot of it was pretty flat. 
but I also was lazy in the sense I didn't want to take my pack off to put my ice axe back on my pack. <laughs> um, but we got up there today and there was a really cool shelter and same thing. Yeah. I mean, it was a pretty amazing pass, just stunning. There was an emergency shelter that was really well done. And there was a day at a section hiker. They're doing like a really small section. Um, and it was myself, power plant, topo, this girl, Emily, who we met and hiked with today for a while. Yeah, we actually, nice. we met her a while back, but saw her again today. And then we met um, Crypto and Milk and Pilot. Yeah. And there was quite a few people at the top there, just kind of hanging out. And, um, everyone was talking about how hungry we were. And this woman sure. who has like 20 miles left in her little section had a ton of leftover food. And kind of like, she gave us some dried fruit. Ooh, that was amazing. She had dried apples, she had dried strawberries, and dried... Bananas. Bananas. Yeah. And it was just... I think she made Pilot's day with some of the leftover food she had. Because Pilot was trying to do... So this guy's trying to finish by August 28th. Which is very quick. Um, he has to do like 25 mile days. In the Sierra, which is insane. That's really hard um, to do that in the Sierra. And so... That's what he's trying to do, and so he said he's trying to go from, it sounded like Kennedy Meadows to Mammoth Lakes without resupply. Which is about 200 plus miles? 200 miles, yeah. That's insane. That's really far. Um, <laughs> to the point. That's like half of what we would want to do, and that's a big carry for us. Yeah, I mean, this woman, I think her name was Kelly, uh, like kind of put some food out and was like, I am not going to eat this. Like, you guys are welcome to mm -hmm. it. And Pilot's face lit up. Yeah. He's the one that didn't get cheered for in Kennedy Meadows. So we cheered for him coming up the pass. And he's like, that was amazing. And then this woman gives him a bunch of food. He literally was like, I smell so bad, but I'm going to hug you. Yeah, he did say that. <laughs> and he gave this woman a hug. And he was like, I was feeling really good today. I feel like it was going to be a good day. And this just made it 11 out of 10. Yep. We actually saw him for, uh, for lunch too. And he was having a blister issue, and yeah, we he shared some. I felt bad for him. It was like an open blister. So we gave him some uh, blister tape, essentially. Yep, Luco tape. Luco tape. I always want to call it kinesio tape, and that's not kinesio tape. Yep, we saw him today, and we'll probably never see him again because he's trying to do 25 miles a day. Yep, and the reason he's doing that is I. He, mm -hmm. He's international, and he couldn't get the. He could only get a 90-day visa. Yeah, I think he's from the UK or Scotland or something. Yeah, I think so too. Um, so he's moving. But today's pass is beautiful. I loved it. We had a really long descent again today. And honestly, today was the first time in a while we went to have lunch. And like all of us, by the time we got to lunch at like 2.30, we're pretty beat. Yeah, we were gassed. I mean, when we were talking about lunch... I remember you saying, I need to eat something right now. I'm going to keel over. <laughs> and that was probably at like 1. And we didn't stop for lunch until about 2.30. Yeah. It was, uh, it was a sunny spot that we got to. Although it was beautiful, the sun today was, was just beat down on us. Yeah, it was almost kind of like a desert day again. It was. I just couldn't help but feel hot everywhere I went. <laughs> Yeah, and when you're up on these ridges, on these big passes with all this exposure, there's like, again, right now where we're camping, like there's plenty of trees, but a lot of times it's difficult to find shade during the day when you're climbing up to a pass or climbing down from it. 
And then the other thing I was thinking today, um, it's funny how like in the desert, you barely have enough water to pee. You don't have to use the bathroom. Whereas in the Sierra, there's water everywhere and you can stay super hydrated. But with the leave no trace principles that everybody kind of adheres to out here, you're not supposed to use the bathroom. Like, I think it's like 200 feet from water sources. Yeah, something like that. Um, and because so, of that, there's water tough. everywhere. Today, at one point, I was like, I've had to pee for like three miles, but there's a water source like every other step. Yeah, because we just kept passing these either lakes or streams that would lead into a lake or just like the trail itself was a freaking stream <laughs> there was some points where we were weren't even walking on the trail because the trail was just flooded with water yeah we actually coming down from your past today there was a bit of a choose your own adventure um, took a while i think we i think all three of us took different routes that's entirely possible because I got very confused, and a lot of people around us did too. Yeah. It seemed like kind of everyone was standing around looking looking at each other, like, does anyone see the trail? Because a lot of the snow prints are from people who didn't have the opportunity to see the trail at all. So they're just kind of going based on either a GPS or where they think they should be going. And so you'll have footprints that are off trail that were created when you couldn't see the trail but now you can um so there's footprints kind of going the wrong way essentially they have to avoid and um it's all a maze that kind of always almost always leads back to the same spot which is good yeah i feel um, like it'd be hard to like genuinely always, get lost yeah the pr prints almost always lead back to the actual trail it's just how soon that's all yeah exactly how quickly people figure it out yeah but and tomorrow we've got, um, I keep calling it Seldom Pass. You correct Selden. me? Seldom Pass. Um, which will be later in the day, actually. It's 15 miles from where we are right now. Yep. Um, it's the summit of that pass. And where we are right now, um, we're kind of at the point, too, where, I mean, this is a low snow year, and the river crossings are still pretty significant. Yep. Um, so we crossed, we did an alternate today so that we didn't have to go like waist deep in water, cold glacial water at 6 p.m. So we took an alternate and then pretty much as soon as we did that, we we're like, okay, first camp spot we see, call it. So we've done two days that are just about 20, 20 mile days in the Sierras, which is respectable, I'd say. Yeah, I'd say very respectable. And then, um, Tonight's also a super moon, Ooh. apparently. So that means it's pretty much like a spotlight. And the tent that we have is, not, it doesn't keep light out very well. So it kind of turns into a big game all night of like hiding from the moon. It does. I'll just have to like stuff my face into my down quilt. And hope that you don't get stuffy. You know, I woke up a little bit puffy this morning. You did wake up puffy. Not puffy puffy, but like. Just a Just little. a little puff. Yeah. Puff enough that, like, as soon as you sat up, I could tell, and it went away, I don't know, before we left, probably. Yeah. I could feel it. I could feel my eyes kind of doing something funky. Um, 
I have a feeling part of it too is just like the allergens that are, you know, out here and we're sleeping in all the time. I don't really know. It, it could, could be. Also, it, I don't know how sensitive this new feather allergy is, <laughs> but I sleep with down booties. I have very cold toes, so I sleep with my liner, my sock liners, my actual darn tough socks, and down booties. So when I sleep with my face in my quilt hiding from the moon and part of the cold, maybe having the down booties on even just in my quilt does it. I don't know. It could be. I forgot about the down booties. I could test it and not wear the booties, but then I'll have cold toes. Yeah, no one wants cold toes. Nope. Your puff has been significantly better, though. Oh, yeah. So. I've had some mornings of, like, no puff. Yeah. And I have a selfie of us on your birthday. And you still had your down quilt. And I think you had probably slept in it that night. And you look different. Like a different person. It's amazing. The difference in... Terrifying is the word you're looking for. It's a little terrifying. Although you felt okay. So as long as you felt okay, it wasn't as terrifying for me. Um, you just... Yeah, you had your face completely swollen. And you look like a different person. Yeah, um, look in the mirror. I think you said this too. And it kind of... That's how I felt. Like, I didn't even recognize myself looking in the mirror. Yeah. But it, you said it, it kind of looks like your sister. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I, I know what you mean. Yeah. Like, related. You could be a sibling. <laughs> but not not it's, you. You're not Christina right now. That's for sure. Yeah. You're so, not Knuckles. That is better. Now, I said, it's starting to get a little chilly, so I think I'm probably going to get all my stuff ready for bed, and then I have to do my bedtime notes. Yep, I do too. I charge my phone because it's at like 2%. That's the other problem with the Sierra is you take your phone out every other second because the pictures are just unreal. And they still don't capture any of the coolness. Such good pictures. It's, it's frustrating how it doesn't translate into a picture. But I think it is time to say good bed. It is 8.14 p.m. And I want to be asleep by 8.30 or 9. Yep. All right. Sounds good to me. I'm ready for bed. All right, good night. See ya.